Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We are thrilled you have joined us for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a dynamic four-part series entitled All In. In this series, we will explore what happens when the full house of God puts it all on the line and goes all in. May God bless you as you enjoy this week's message. How you guys doing? Yeah, I can tell. It's great to be alive, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so glad you are here. Welcome to New Hope Church and uh, welcome to the series that we are in titled what? All In. And so if you got your Bibles, you can go ahead and open those to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And while you are turning there, I want to look into the camera and give a warm welcome to all of our campuses, particularly those in Garner, North Carolina, Sanford, North Carolina, the North Carolina Correctional Institute for Women. I'm going to be talking about them in just a little bit. Our internet campus, our Latino campus, those of you watching this in Columbia, South Carolina, welcome one Welcome all and I want you to I want you to give it up for this group now. I want you to give it up and give a warm shout of praise and welcome and support and enthusiasm for the coffee house crowd that is launching upstairs today. Would you give it up for those groups coming back? Yes. Yes, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for being up there in that different venue. And maybe some of you are here and you're like, because as you can tell, guys, this is the early service and we're packed in here. Maybe you're here and you would prefer kind of a coffee house venue. Here's what it is. It's upstairs during the 1045 a.m. service. Same worship that's here is up there, but it's a little more acoustical, maybe a little more plugged, definitely a lot more intimate and a smaller venue. And that just works for a lot of people. They really, really like that. And you might be one of those. And it's the very same teaching that is down here and all, at all of our campuses is up there. So uh, I want to encourage you to do that. I also want to give a warm welcome. Listen very, very closely. This is very, very important. I want to give a warm welcome to the media today. Yeah. Yeah. They, we have actually invited them to the campus today. Yeah, we've, we've opened up our church. We've said, okay, you're doing lots of reports on us these days. Um, and you're kind of, you're kind of, it's not your fault. You're just, it's a hard job that you're trying to do, but you're getting it kind of wrong in some areas. And why not invite you in among us to let you see and feel and experience the community of New Hope instead of watching our worship on phone videos, which is atrocious. Why not come in, set your cameras up, and, and just be among us. We love you guys. We're praying for you guys. And we love God and we love people. And so that includes you. And so you are welcome at this church. And they're going to be here. Yeah, yeah. They're going to be here today. So you might see them on your way out. Um, they're probably going to attend a, a campus or a service. So if they attend one of the campuses, welcome them. And here's what I want to say to everybody. Listen. Just be yourself because yourself is gracious and beautiful and loving. And that's just the new hope way. 
And so just be yourself. And uh, we are so glad that they are here. And the campus says same thing. We just asked them not to do a few things. We've told them the children's ministry space is off limits. Because that is a secure space. Always is secure. Let the parents say amen. Um, we've asked them not to go sticking microphones in your face. Amen. <laughs> amen. Sis, sister says, amen. Don't even go there. We did that for some of you. That's right. They're, they're going to interview some people after um, a, a worship celebration today. But we're going to take those uh, people who want to do that to them. And um, what else have we asked them to do? We, we, oh, we asked them to come in and actually worship. But if they do, to stay the whole time. And so uh, we just welcome any and everybody to our campuses. All of you know that the season that we, we are in right now, and I want to share a verse with you, okay, before we jump into the message today. Um, I want to share a verse with you. It's 2 Chronicles 7.14. You don't have to turn over there because we're going to Luke, Luke 10 today, but you can write this down. 2 Chronicles 7.14. It's a verse that I've been holding on these days. And the verse says this, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves, seek my face, pray, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will, what is it church? I will what? Hear from heaven, okay? I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Is that not a great verse of scripture or what? Second Chronicles seven fourteen, and And here's what I want you to do, okay? All of you are, or most of you are reading the New Testament with me, right? Yes. Reading the, the reading plan. If you haven't gotten those, they're in the chair, uh, book racks underneath you. Grab you a reading plan. We're reading through the New Testament in six months. We're going all in. We're reading the word, okay? Second Chronicles 7.14. Can I ask you to do something for me? Because listen, guys, when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. I want to invite you to do something. I want you to join me for 40 days, and I want you to pray at 714. Set your clocks. Set your phones. Whatever you need to do. Second Chronicles 714. Remember that verse. And at 714, I want you to drop to your knees, physically or in your mind, humble yourself, and pray for our church. I want you to pray for our neighbors. I want you to pray for the media. And I want you to pray that God would do what he wants to do with his church. At 714. And you're like, well, Pastor, do you mean AM or PM? (laughs) I know. You got to know everything, don't you? If you're a morning person, make it AM. If you're an evening person, make it PM. And we'll cover them both, beloved. Huh? All right. Lastly, lastly, and then we're getting into the word today. Lastly, um, we have provided a facts sheet. We, we want the facts to get out. And uh, listen, the, the truth shall set you free. And uh, we, 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 you know, we've sat back, I've sat back, and there's even things on there. Why is Pastor Benji not doing television interviews? There's a reason for that. It's on the fact sheet. Why this? Why that? What has the church done? What is the church doing? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We have provided a facts sheet for you. And when you leave today, if you want a copy of that facts sheet, you can pick it up at the island adjacent to the cafe and media. You're definitely welcome to pick that up as well. Or you can pick it up in the resource center. It's just a two-pager front and back. And it's just things that we think are imperative that you understand and know as this is your church family. Amen? Amen. 
But 714, okay? Imagine, imagine now, I'm not, just take this issue off the table. Imagine what can happen in the life of this church if for the next six months we're all reading the New Testament and for the next 40 days we are charging heaven in prayer at 714 a.m. and 714 p.m. So we're changing gears today. If you take out your teaching notes, you'll see that I wasn't even supposed to teach today. <laughs> um, we decided uh, basically yesterday that uh, some people, my executive team and others just said, bro, you need, you need to teach. So I said, thank you. Thank you for ruining my Saturday. <laughs> um, so, so I started working yesterday on a message. So those teaching notes are completely irrelevant, okay? It's a different even teacher that's supposed to be up here today, so don't worry about that. You can still use them to take some notes if you want or write in your Bible. But here's where the Spirit of God has led me to teach us today on this day that uh, we are here in the midst of this season that we are in. I think this is a word from, lo from the Lord for this church. And I thought maybe it would be really cool if today we would stand in honor of God's Word and read... One of the most popular passages in all of Scripture. Outside of the prodigal son, this would be second, okay? This would be second, not only in secular literature, but in the Christian community. This is the parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied... How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God. Now, this is really cool. This is the parable of the Good Samaritan. And yet, it's the same text as included in here that we've been studying in Mark 12, 30. And here it is. Love the Lord your God with? And with? Oh, you're amazing. And with? Ooh, it's getting a little louder. Good, good. With all your strength. And with? And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Hello. And Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil on wine, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. Let's pray. Father, take our minds and think through them today. Would you take our hearts and fill with them? 
Lord Jesus, as I always ask, would you take my lips and speak through them today? For if you do not speak, then absolutely nothing of significance will have been spoken. And all of God's people said, amen. You can be seated. So check it out. You get the scene, right? You get the scene. There are two people walking down the road, (laughs) a priest and a Levite, okay? These were the religious leaders, okay? Picture, if you will, if if it helps you imagine the story, picture a senior pastor and a worship arts pastor. picture, Picture Pastor Fuller and myself. And we're walking down the road, and we come across a dude who has been beaten and left for half dead. And Fuller says, hey, yo, yo, Pastor Benji, um, what do you think we should do? And I say, well, I, I don't know. He goes, well, what do you think? I, I, got, I got some songs I got to go chart, man. The, the, the video team, they got to they finish that video for Sunday. I'm like, yeah, dude, we got to get to court too, man. What do you think we should do? And uh, and uh, and, 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 and I said to Fuller, I said, you know what, man? Jesus is coming back soon. Let's, let's just, let, let's cross over to this side of the road and let's just pray for him. And that's exactly what we do. And, and then, lo and behold, a Samaritan comes by. And a Samaritan stops and takes care of this neighbor. And what we see unfold is this unbelievable parable that has gripped the conscience, if you will, of the church and even secular society for 2,000 years now. Now, what you need to know, guys, is that the hostility and the tension between the Jews and the Samaritans were only commensurate, if you will, to the hostility and the tension that we saw in our country in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and unfortunately sometimes right up to today between the white man and the black man. It's tension that is commensurate, if you will, that we sometimes see between different groups of people now and the Latino immigration. It's commensurate, if you will, to the tension that we saw between the Jews And Hitler, Hitler's Germany, if you will, and the Holocaust. Let me show you a map of of first century Palestine just so you get some geography in your mind. Basically, they were going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And if you look at this map, it's quite clear. You see the Dead Sea on the bottom, okay? And if you go straight up north, you see the Sea of Galilee. That's where Jesus hung out. You're reading the Gospels now. That's where most of that took place was in and around the Sea of Galilee. Okay? But go back down to the Dead Sea. And if you just look right to the kind of the left top part of the Dead Sea of Galilee, just take off toward the left. You see Jericho? Say amen if you see it. And then just let your eyes go down and you see Jerusalem. We're going to show you another map here that's going to zoom in a little bit more. See it? Okay, you see Jericho and Jerusalem. So this is where this took place in the New Testament. And I've been on this road twice now. It's a very curvy road with caves along the side of the road where antiquity teaches us this this probably happened. It was not uncommon for these kinds of things, bandits, to beat up and rob people as they made their way from Jerusalem to Jericho and back. Though on top of that, this incredible and intense hostility between the Jews and the Samaritans. And you have a recipe 
for disaster. You have a recipe for hostility. You have a recipe for bitterness and anger. And this text comes and it speaks to us today, I believe quite powerfully, in the very situation that we are in as a church Today and always, this parable is so powerful. I want to give you three ways in which the Good Samaritan actually lived out in this parable great direction, instruction for our church. If you're ready for it, say amen. Amen. The Good Samaritan diagnoses with compassion. Come on now. The Good Samaritan diagnoses with compassion compassion. He shows us how to care for those in need. And he points out, listen, that when we do that as a church, it is often not flowery. It's not convenient. It's not clean. It's actually, come on, come on, like life, it's actually kind of messy. Life is messy. And what the parable teaches us first and foremost is that we as a church must keep our compassion high. We as a church must learn that God likes to take his people and exude compassion on all people. Now, I'm going to try something I do with the staff sometimes in our staff. When I say get it, you say got it. Get it? Good. So you guys are amazing. How'd you do that so fast? You, the staff didn't even get it that fast. It does not matter what people look like. It does not matter what they smell like. It does not matter what they dress like. It does not matter what they act like. All that matters is that God's people understand that our calling is to actually diagnose situations with compassion. Jesus lets us know that two religious people, I mean the guys, the ones you think would exude the compassion... They cross over to the other side of the road. You've done this. You know you have. (laughs) Come on. You pull up to an intersection, and there he is. There she is. How convenient for you to put on your blinker and switch lanes, right? We've done that, right? we've, We've done that. And yet one of the things I love most about this church is that we are a church that just overflows with compassion. I mean, I walked through the rotunda on my way here today. Way to go. Can you, can you go look at the soup cans on your way out? We already have a mountain to the glory of God, and the first service is not even over. Not to mention all the campuses. Yeah. Not to mention all the campuses. And by the end of the day, guys, we're going to have thousands and thousands and thousands of cans. And what is that a sign of? That is a sign of, that is a, a practice of this passage whereby we are looking at people who are needy and hungry. And we're having compassion on them. We have a campus. Most of you know this. We have a campus in a prison. The North Carolina Correctional Institute for Women. Every Tuesday night, a group of people go in there and they love on those women. And they lead those women in worship. And a screen comes out and they show the same message that you hear on Sunday mornings. And this Tuesday, this past Tuesday, 14 women accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of their life. And another, and another 14 rededicated their lives to Christ. 28 women. And I know the campuses are celebrating that with us. 28 women. Our missions team just came back from Haiti. 
They're going to be going to Haiti again in just like a month or so. Or actually a couple months. I think it's April. We're going to Kenya this summer. Okay? Transforming hope. That's a ministry that we have around here where we, we have a, a hope house where we actually find and rescue young girls from the sex trafficking trade. And this is where your tithes go each month. And so we help support this ministry. We have a girl now in that ministry. She's come to our church. She comes, but we keep it on the DL because we have to. But let me let you know something. She's accepted Christ as the Lord and Savior of her life. And she's finding hope. It is so incredible. And, and, and this is the main thing I just want to remind us because this is what this passage reminds us. And I actually tweeted this this week on Friday after we left the courthouse. I tweeted this and I just want everybody to know this. Two things everyone must know about the movement of New Hope Church. We love God and we love all people, period. Psalm 103 actually spoke about this kind of compassion. Let's read it out loud. Psalm 103, verses 2 and 4. If you're ready for the word, say amen. amen. Go, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Let's continue. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love, with love and what? Oh, church. Oh, church. Do, do you see it? We're to exude. We're to diagnose any and every situation that we come by as a church with compassion. And the reason we are... See, see I, thought I, was gonna, I thought I could save this to the end, but I just can't save this. I wanted to save it to the very end of the message. Listen, listen. See, most of us look at the Good Samaritan through the wrong lens, if you will. Stick with me here for a moment. See, here's what I know about you. 95% of the people in this room right now, and those of you watching it on the internet around the world and, and our campuses, 95% of you right now is you've, you've, you've switched into a mode of whereby you are thinking about the actions of the Good Samaritan, and you should. But you start there. And so you're therefore thinking about how we as a church and how we as individuals can live out and be like the Good Samaritan, right? And again, that's not necessarily wrong. But listen, listen. That's the wrong starting point. The wrong starting point. This is going to be an epiphany for some of you. Light bulbs are going to go off. The starting point for understanding the good Samaritan is not placing yourself in the shoes or not of the good Samaritan, but rather realizing that you were the one in the ditch of life down and out. And it was Jesus Christ, the good Samaritan, who came by and lifted you up out of the pit saved your soul, redeemed your life, wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life. And now, if you're going to clap, you need to clap for that. And now, and now, by His grace, since the Good Samaritan Jesus has pulled you out of the ditch, the beauty of the gospel is that He now wants to use you to exude that same compassion on others. So I pray that as you read the Good Samaritan text from here on out, you start from a totally different place. Don't turn it into a kind of works righteousness, beloved. 
Well, I'm a good Samaritan. I was half dead in the ditch of life. Like you. I don't care how good you've been. You were lost, beloved. You are utterly lost without Jesus. And he comes along. Even if you were a self-sufficient kind of guy and you've been in the church your whole life, make no mistake about it. Your righteousness before God Almighty is like filthy rags. But Jesus has stepped in to the pit of your life. And he's rescued you. Amen? Amen. And he saved you. And because of that, then and only then, out of that, can we actually live out the gospel. Now, that is good news, church. That is good news. Get it? Good. Let's go. Second one, second one, second one. The Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan dispenses ample doses of grace. The Good Samaritan, again, the starting position of the parable is not you and me trying to be Good Samaritans. The starting point of the parable is for you and me to always remember that we were first in the ditch and the Good Samaritan by the name of Jesus came down my road, hello, Amen. and gave me grace yes. upon grace yes. upon grace yes. upon grace. And it is only by that that we are then able to dispense, come on. Ample doses of grace. That's exactly what the Samaritan did when you read the text. He just heaped grace upon grace upon grace upon this wounded neighbor. Look what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 15 and 18. The word of the Lord says this. All this is for your benefit. So that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Listen, 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 church. Oh, listen. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our, come on now, does the word not speak to us? For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. That far outweighs them all. Here it is. Get ready. So we, so we fix our eyes on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The call, yeah, you can clap for the word of the Lord. Absolutely. The call of the church is very, very simple. Experience and enjoy the grace of God. Come on, come on. And share that grace with everyone. Experience and enjoy the grace of God and exude that grace to everyone. And to remember that when we get in life, personally or communally as a church, that we will have our temporary and momentary troubles. But that our job in the midst of the trouble is to fix our eyes on Jesus and give ample doses of grace upon grace upon grace. Even in the midst of false allegations, even in the midst of personal attacks on your pastor, our responsibility is to dispense, listen church, ample doses of grace 
Upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. In the novel by Mary Russell, the novel titled A Thread of Grace, very appropriate title to the book, she tells the story of a group of Jewish refugees making their way to the northeast coast of Italy to a place called Liguria. And these refugees during the atrocious World War II and Hitler's regime and, and Hitler's you know, passion to exterminate the Jews, these refugees would make their way to the northeast coast of Italy where they thought they could find refuge. But what they didn't realize was that Mussolini had actually given over Italy to Hitler. And so when they, when they got to this area where they thought they were going to find refuge, they actually found that Hitler had taken over this area with bombs and exterminations and all of this. And, and they actually were running for their life when, and this is a little, little known fact about World War II, when they actually came into contact with some Italian peasants and priests and good people who were embodying what we're finding in this text today. And they actually gave refuge to 40,000 Jews on the northeast coast of Italy. And, and Mary Russell, as she recalled this in this novel, A Thread of Grace, she actually wrote these words. After the Yom Kippur War of 43, people all over Italy helped us. Almost 50,000 Jews were hidden. I keep asking myself, why was it so different here? Why did Italians help when so many others turned away? I cannot know for sure, but I do know there's a saying in Hebrew. Listen, church. No matter how dark the tapestry God weaves for us. There's always a thread of grace, church. It's always a thread of grace. And the call on the Christian community is to find that thread of grace, listen, and weave it in and out of our lives and out of the life of this church and embody that grace. And in that powerful novel, I encourage you to read it, it's at that time that the character in the novel just kind of turns and walks away. I love that. No matter how dark the tapestry is that God weaves for you and your life individually and my life individually and our church today or 10 years from now, listen, there's always a thread of grace. That it's our job to find and weave forward in the story of God's redemptive work on planet Earth. It's why the Bible says in Romans 8, 28. Some of you know this verse. If you don't, I really encourage you to put it to memory. And we know that in all things. In what things? All things God works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose. The church is called 
To be a trauma center, if you will, for wounded people where we diagnose with compassion. That's the first thing. I hope you remember that during this season. Secondly, that we dispense with ample doses of grace. And thirdly, I love this last part, that we provide a safe recovery. We provide a safe recovery room. The Good Samaritan did exactly that. Notice in verse 34. Notice in verse 34, the Bible says this. Then he put the man on his donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you have. See, I love that because, listen, guys, the religious leaders moved over. They said, well, we're just going to leave him. Maybe we'll pray for him. The Good Samaritan comes along, and it would have been enough to come along and bandage him up and help him and prop him up. You know what I mean? That would have been enough. But the Good Samaritan goes the extra mile, if you will, takes him to an inn, puts him on the back of a donkey. If it had been today, that donkey would have had a New Hope magnet right on the back. If you don't have a magnet on your car, put a magnet on your car, beloved. They're in the chair. And I need to address something here. I, I, see, see, some of you don't do the magnet because you're like, I don't drive good enough to put the magnet on. I, I want to give you some loving right now. I want to give you some loving. Look, if I'm lying, I'm dying. You can ask my wife. I don't drive good enough to have a magnet on my car either. I don't. I don't. And I'm a, good, I, I'm a good driver, I think. But she, like, gives me a hard time. And listen, here's, here, I'm going to flip that on its head. Maybe God is calling you hopers to show everybody else how to drive. <laughs> like, listen, man, if you're going 20 miles an hour, you don't need to be in the passing lane. Get over. Right? Right? I'm not, a, I'm not a reckless guy. I don't get tickets anymore. Um, like, like, I'm a good driver, man. I'm a good driver. And, but, but listen, my wife, she like gets... I'm the kind of dude, if she's driving and she's not driving right, drives her bonkers. I'll reach over and blow the horn for her. Because she doesn't believe in using a horn. The horn is on a car for a reason, beloved. And, and on my car, I got magnets on the I got two on the side and two on the sides and two on the back. And she's like, honey, there's a magnet on your car. Stop. I'm like, yeah, we're showing them how to drive. <laughs> so don't, don't worry about that, man. If you've been like, I don't drive good enough. No, 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 no. Maybe you're on my side. And our job is we're going to help all of Central North Carolina know how to drive and drive responsibly. And a little quickly. <laughs> Where in the world was I? Oh, a safe recovery roll. Oh, I got off that. How did I get off on a donkey, a camel with a, with a bumper sticker on his butt? But anyway, yeah, so he puts the dude on the donkey. They take him to the inn. So they find him a safe recovery place. Then he leaves money to the innkeeper, pays him in advance to care for his neighbor. I see, church, that's a beautiful thing. That's why this church needs to always remember that we are a safe place. I like to put it like this. We're a safe place for people to hear a dangerous message. Think about that. That's why we, that's why we work so hard around here when it comes to environments. We want people to have a safe place. I also like to call it a grace place. 
We want people to have a safe place to come and hear a dangerous message. But we still want the, the place to be safe. Amen? We want the place to exude grace. And that is exactly what the church is called to do. Any fishermen in the house? Come on. I love to fish. I, I'm a bass fisherman. And I can tell our church has a long way to go in terms of godliness. Because I think I saw five hands pop up. <laughs> Listen, fishing, guys, is the only sport that the Bible endorses. <laughs> you never thought about that. Show me another one, beloved. Um, I love to fish. I've fished my whole life. I love to bass fish. Um, and so uh, we, we, we just hired our, our Columbia campus pastor. And he's awesome. His name is Aaron. His wife is Nicole. They have two beautiful girls. And they're coming in. They're going to be our Columbia campus pastors. And, and we, as part of his interview, we had him teach the staff a few weeks ago. And he taught the staff um, a, a message. When I bring in campus pastors, I'd say, okay, your job is to teach us a message. And so with the, we gathered the whole staff and we're upstairs and he taught this message, phenomenal message. And, uh, but he used this illustration and I'm going to steal it in the name of Jesus. And this time I'm going to give him credit. Next time I'm going to say, you know, God led me. And, and the third time I'm going to say, you know, I was thinking the other day. And, 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 um, He shared this story, man. Hey, he's a fisherman too. And he shares the story. And as he shared, he's like, dude, that is me. He was, he was doing exactly what I do. He said, when we catch fish, he said, we don't decide to keep the fish or not based upon whether or not we're hungry. Or we really don't decide to keep the fish or not based upon the size. He said, when I catch a fish, and again, this is exactly what I do. He said, I catch and keep the fish based upon whether or not I want to clean that fish. And the church does not have that option. We don't catch, and remember Jesus said, go and I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't say, come follow me and I'll make you keepers of an aquarium. He said, come. I'll make you fishers of men and women. And he didn't say, hey, you get to pick and choose which ones you want to keep whether, based on whether or not you want to clean them. People are messy. And our job as a church is to catch and keep and love any and everyone. Not based upon whether or not we got time to clean them or whether or not we want to clean them or whether or not we want to get fishy. We keep all of them and we care for them with this safe grace place that exudes compassion, dispenses ample doses of grace, and says to any and everyone, wherever you are, we love God, we love you, and you are welcome to come among us, any and all. And it doesn't matter what you bring to the table. Because there are no perfect people allowed. You've got your stuff. I've got my stuff. But God loves us all. And God cleans us all up in his time. And the church's job 
to follow in the footsteps of the good Samaritan. Remember, beloved, we don't get proud. We don't get haughty. We don't start thinking, look at us. We're a bunch of good Samaritans. No, 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 no. We remember that we were in the ditch of life. Broken, sin-scarred, hell-bound. Until one day, I don't know when it was for you, but for me it was October 23rd, 1988. But you have your day. And it might have happened on a given day or it might have happened in a season of your life. But if you know Christ, listen, don't be mistaken. You had your season, your day, when God reached into your life, grabbed you in the muck and the mire and the pit, set your feet on solid ground, wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life, forgave your sin and gave you the purpose for which you are to live out the rest of your days and that is walking and living and breathing and when the opportunity arises you exude compassion you give doses of grace you provide recovery rooms for those God puts in your path regardless of who they are When I was, um, last thing, when I, when I, um, the church I pastored before this church, before I went to Kentucky, I, it was, it was a church, it was started in 1780. Now, beloved, that's an old church, 1780. And, um, it was a traditional church and they had a, they had a storage room that they never used for anything. They, they just had stuff stored in it. It it wasn't even like it was a used storage room. It was a used storage room back in the seventies, but they didn't use it anymore. So it had stuff that was so old and it was, I just, I would walk in there every now and then I'm like, it's just a waste of space. And so I had this idea one time to, to turn it into what I called, I thought the spirit led me to call the shepherd's storehouse. Because you see, in the Bible, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And I laid down my life for the sheep. And so I went to the, went to the, the board and I said, hey, I got an idea. <laughs> you know that old storage room in the fellowship hall that you guys don't use anymore? I said, uh, what do you say we just take all that junk out of there and give it away? And what do you say we turn it into the shepherd's storehouse and we stock it full with food and coats and, and different clothes and shoes so that we can give it to, to needy people. And I got a little pushback, but to be honest with you, to give credit where credit is due, most folks didn't push back. They're like, that's a great idea. So we did, man. We cleaned it out. It was a massive job. I mean, this thing was just full of stuff. We cleaned it out. Then we opened it up to the congregation, um, and people started bringing stuff like you did today, all that stuff out there in the rotunda. And we stuffed it full of food and full of clothes. And it was the shepherd store. So we got, even got a little sign, man, that said the shepherd storehouse and, 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 and that verse in John's gospel where Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. And it was awesome. It was rocking and rolling. Um, and, and so one day I'm closing up the church, right? And I come out of the church. It's about, I don't know, about six o'clock in the afternoon. I close up the church and I turn around to go to my truck and I see him out of the corner of my eye. You know, you know, you know when you see him, right? And you, you do, I'm just like you. you. My first reaction was, oh, no. And I, I just, I just kind of started walking to my truck. And he came just shuffling up, up the sidewalk, if you will. And he goes, hey. I said, hey, how you doing? He goes, you got any food? And I said, yeah. Yeah, I got some food. Come on. 
And I turned, I put my stuff in my trunk. I turned and I walked him to the fellowship hall and I opened up the, the shepherd's storehouse and I gave him multiple cans of soup. I, I, I seem to recall giving him a bag of chips as well. And I mean, by the time he left, he, he had a handful of stuff. And so when I gave him the last thing that he could barely hold, he just turned and walked away. And I confess that my carnal nature kind of raised up and I thought, dude, you could have said thank you. And I guess he picked up on it because I, I mean, I was, I was tired. I was having a bad day. And, and I just, maybe I just showed it. I'm sorry if I did. And, and he had to say, so he turned around and he goes, I guess you want me to say thank you. I said something like, well, well, now that you mention it, it'd be kind of nice. I did, I did, I did. And he said, well, you can forget about it. No, 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 no. I'm not going to say thank you. And he stuck his bony little finger up to the sky. He said, because God told people like you to help people like me. Oh, you think I was mad a moment ago? <laughs> I was having visions of the headline, baby. Pastor punches in the throat, homeless man. And I turned and I walked away and I was just huffing and puffing. Hacked off. Got in my truck. Cranked up my truck. Rode home. It was a very short distance so I didn't have time to huff and puff but a few moments. Pulled up in the driveway. Opened up my truck door. Slammed it shut. How dare him? And as I'm walking to the house, I heard that still small voice from Almighty God say, Benji... He's right. I told people like you to help people like him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, let the church say. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you will join us next week. God bless you and thank you for being a part of our church family.